Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the rise of technology, my interview with Black Knight Inc.'s Mike Vogue on the current MSR market and the evolution of duration calculations and servicing valuations, and why the Fed ultimately decided on 25 basis points for its latest rate hike. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Black Knight Inc. Innovative technology, comprehensive data, agile analytics. As a premier provider of innovative, high-performance software, data and analytics for mortgage and home equity lending and servicing, Black Knight is transforming the mortgage industry through its best-in-class solutions. To learn more, visit blackknightinc.com. The NBA's forecast for 2023 volumes changed and now sits at $1.8 trillion of originations. Technology is always changing, and no, this podcast is not produced by ChatGPT, nor will it ever be, unlike lesser publications. But if you're a teacher, like my sister, with her classroom full of 7th graders, or a professor, how do you know that the paper turned in by a student wasn't produced by AI? Economic conditions are always changing as well, and yesterday's Federal Reserve Open Market Committee change of 25 basis points higher for its targeted overnight Fed funds rate, which is the rate banks charge one another for overnight deposits, certainly sent a statement. I'd say it said, sure, some banks had some issues and mismanagement that we are well aware of, but we don't see a crisis and we'll continue with our match against inflation. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Mike Vogue to talk about the current MSR market and the evolution of duration calculations and servicing valuations. He's the Vice President of Product Development at Optimal Blue, a division of Black Knight, and is responsible for managing the product development cycle of pipeline risk management, loan buy and sell side tools, mortgage servicing right valuations, whole loan valuations, and lead generation software. He also serves as an advisor to some of the largest lenders and servicers in the country on critical functions such as MSR valuation, pipeline risk management strategies, hedging strategies, technology, and pricing and loan sales strategies. He joined Black Knight following the company's acquisition of Compass Analytics in 2019, where he served as the product manager of Compass's suite of MSR products and advised many servicers, investors, and MSR brokers on how to leverage Compass's MSR model and generate MSR strategies. So you have a lot of expertise in MSRs. What's the current state of the MSR market? What's it like for buyers, for sellers, for multiples? It's a very interesting time right now, Robbie. So uh, in the past week alone, we've had the most uh, the most volatility actually uh, since 2008, if you could believe it or not. Uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch has something called the Move Index which tracks option volatility. And it was the highest reading last week, um, you know, higher than any peak time during COVID and just as, as high as times that we've seen in 2008. So it's been, a, a, it's been very up and down recently. Um, you know, over the past couple of weeks alone, uh, the two 10-year spread, it was, it was inverted for quite some time. And a lot of people have, have noticed that it reached a height of, uh, of almost about a, about a point almost of inversion. And now we've seen such a sell-off uh, in the two-year rate that we basically have cut that in half. Um, over the past week, we've basically gone from a, that point-ish to 10-year inversion to about 40, 47, 48 basis points, as I think, as of last night. 
And with that, just generally rates, rates have dropped a bunch. And so folks who, you know, were, you know, who saw this great appreciation in their MSR portfolio over the last, you know, probably three years now at this point are starting to find, are starting to see some, some cracks in that. Um, you know, we, we work with a lot of folks who are uh, doing MSR valuations every day or who, who are even or even hedging the MSR asset right now. And, and just with, you know, again, this, let's just call it, you know, 50 bips down in the 10 year or point down in the two year, um, we're seeing we're starting to see that actually hit MSR valuations um, on a portfolio basis, anywhere from like eight to 10 basis points in terms of evaluation decreases we're seeing there now. So if you're somebody who's just getting that monthly valuation, you know, it, it's tough. It, it, you're going to be kind of surprised probably at month end. Um, so that, that's something that we're seeing there now. You know, I think a lot of folks from like the, the buy and sell side, you know, I think we're, we're, you know, we're continuing to see a lot of folks who are, you know, lenders who are, you know, kind of struggling now in the low, the low production, high interest rate environment here. Maybe they're going to get some relief from this, from this potential rate decrease here, but the majority of, of you know mortgages out there are still way in the or way like out of the money from like a refi standpoint, right? Their loans originated during COVID in the threes and the fours. Even even right now, I think uh, our our primary rate reading uh, OBMMI, the Optimal Blue Mortgage Market Index, had that I think yesterday at like six six or six five. We're still quite quite a ways away from a refi boom uh, or from any refis <laughs> actually out there. So there's a lot of I think there's a lot of lenders out there who are going to have to start thinking about potentially selling pieces of their MSR portfolio to you know kind of tap that cash that they've invested um, over the last X years. You mentioned the last three years and seeing as we just hit the third anniversary of the COVID pandemic, can you explain what MSR values have done over that time period from originally the, the Fed pumping a bunch of liquidity into the economy and, and rates dropping to rates rising and peaking last fall, falling a little bit and now back on the rise. So yeah, I, I would I would contend that in the last three years, we basically have seen like a decade of MSR movement. So it started about three years ago when um, you know we started to get trickles of of you know bad news out, out of China with COVID. And, and we started to see uh you know uh that those news headlines start to hit over here. And I think generally folks were we're all just afraid, right? Afraid of potential advances, especially from forbearance. They were worried that this was going to keep people out of jobs, that COVID was going to keep people out of jobs for a year or longer. We were worried that folks were going to have to do all this advancing of, of payments. You know, when you're a servicer, you're on the hook for making sure that, that end that end payment gets to that end investor, right? So if borrowers stop making payments in mass, then you as a servicer have you're on the hook for all these payments that have to get to that investor who owns the loan. So there, when that was, when there was a lot of you know questions about that in terms of who was going to support what, the government wasn't going to step in yet at that point. There was investors kind of backed away. There were periods in time, especially in the in the flow space, where people were actually paying you to keep servicing. Right, aggregators were saying, "I don't even want to touch this with a ten foot pole. We don't know what's going on out there. We already have a big enough book the way it is. I'm going to pay effectively pay the lenders with like a negative bid on servicing at the point of flow." And during that time, uh, even with that negative like flow bid, there was still there was still economic value there, right? Even if there were large advances, you know, maybe things weren't at a four mult anymore, but maybe they were at a one and a half or a two. Maybe it wasn't zero or negative, as like the flow market was was basically showing us. So a lot of lenders who weren't traditional servicers, people who were 
traditionally always selling co-issue or to the bulk space, now all of a sudden had to retain, right? They had to hold on to servicing. And we saw a big expansion of the of the of the population of lenders who, who are servicers and have servicing of size, right? And then as the government stepped in and, and you know had all these different facilities to make sure that folks could take out those advances and whatnot, we started to see the market start start to normalize-ish. But we created all these new servicers, right? There's all these new lenders out there who became servicers or greatly expanded their servicing operation. And it wasn't until just recently, probably about the beginning of this year, where we saw that distribution of lenders selling retained or release get back to pre-COVID levels. Pre-COVID levels, it was basically about one out of every three loans was retained by, by, at least from the, the clients that we see at Optimal Blue. Um, and then that skyrocketed to when I was talking about earlier, when the aggregator stepped away from the flow space, it was probably 90-10. So, so lenders retaining 90% of the loans um, and then releasing 10% from the servicing decision. And then over the last two-ish years, that's kind of ebbed and flowed in like the 60s, right? So retaining 60% of their loans and selling release to 40s. And then just recently, I'd say probably about February, we started to get back to that one in three or that 40-ish percent of uh, of loans being retained by our clients, so we've seen it kind of come full circle here now. And I think with this with this with this rate move down recently, we might be seeing it maybe even go into uh, maybe even going maybe not a three sixty, maybe almost a five forty, right? In terms of the complete circle and a half now that we're going uh, we're going through here. I want to talk about duration briefly because that is really duration calculations drive portfolio valuation. So how does the granularity of MSR valuations continue to evolve? Great question. So uh, you might expect that when we've seen this large jump in rates, and I mentioned earlier about how you know, the, the, lar- the, la- the vast majority of, of, of mortgage loans or mortgage bonds that are out there are in that three or four interest rate area. You know, even if we go from a seven to a six and a half, like, shouldn't there be very little duration on that? And, and in some cases, people are right when they say that, right? Like, you went from a seven par rate to a six and a half par rate. All these loans are so far away from a refi. There's, they're probably kind of insensitive, right? But it's important to think about all of the flows of income and costs that are associated with servicing and how rates can play a, play a part of that. So the way I like to think about it is like when you're hedging an MSR portfolio, you basically have two things that you're hedging. You're hedging a prepayment risk, right? But you're also hedging the flow. And in the current environment right now, you might not have that much prepayment risk, but you certainly have a lot of float risk. Over the last couple of years as well, we've seen you know state taxes go up, uh, especially during the home, the home price appreciation uh, during COVID, right? With, with rates really low, a lot of people poured money into housing. And just between 2021 or 2022 and 2023, uh, when we look at servicing valuations here, the impact of float went from about 10% beginning of 2022 to over 25% of the total MSR valuation in 2023. Now, that's got to do a lot with rates going up, right? But it also has to do with you know escrow payments going up as well to basically, I think a lot of counties and municipalities had to, had to basically win back some of the shortfall of income loss during COVID. And then also again, home price appreciation. Everybody, everybody's home prices went up, 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 up. So that escrow payment that you could hold on your books for three, four, six months in some states, all of a sudden became this this cash cow for a lot of people. 
And now as we see rates start to dip, you may not be seeing prepay duration, but you may be seeing float duration. And I think being having a model that allows you to kind of cut those pieces up so you can figure out what instrument is, is used for each of those is really important, right? Historically, a lot of folks would use a combination of two and 10-year swaps or treasuries to model that prepayment risk because there's a lot of correlation to mortgage rates with both that two and that 10-year uh, fixed income instrument. But a lot of people use different incomes, different uh, vehicles for, for float, right? Some people might use the five-year, some people might use a one-year or six-month. And so depending upon what your what your, your servicing contract says that you could earn uh, float on from a subservicer or what your cost of funds is, there should be a direct uh, a hedge that you could use to match that float income. And as we continue to, kind of, if we do continue to go lower here, you know, you might see that that duration of the float go down, but then your prepaid duration go up, right? As that par rate drifts down here. And so it just, it just depends at what point we are in the yield curve in terms of, hey, are we hedging float and uh, prepay as a part of our duration or is it just float? And I, you can make the argument that a couple of weeks ago it was just float, but now with that trend down in rates, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of float and prepay. That's certainly good reason to bring professional MSR services into a company. And in addition to duration calculations, there's retain, release, decisioning. What are the differentiating factors between companies that offer MSR services? Great question. It's very pertinent right now. I think a lot of times it's about being able to use your MSR model uh, to incentivize the production that you want. A lot of times folks are using, uh, you know, uh, grids or, or servicing valuations that may be, uh, you know, based off a generic loan population or uh, from a month ago. And I think right now, uh, folks just don't have every tool in the toolkit. Um, being able to basically turn your dial and say, hey, I want to incentivize certain MSAs or incentivize certain geographic areas through a, through a servicing valuation engine is super important, right? And so being able to look back at your historic prepayment data, you know what what you know what channel, what branch, what type of loan, what geo is is profitable or has lower speeds gives you the intel to then go in and make those changes on your front end pricing model. Um, and then I, I, you know our MSR valuation and MSR services certainly do that. We also it's also important to make sure that you have timely MSR data. Uh, and one of our well, we have an integration with with four MSR brokers, so Black Knight. Optimal Blue is not a servicing broker, but we work with a lot of, of servicing brokers. And so we have integrations with them so that you can get that live that live feedback into your model, right? And this is something that we saw uh, a lot of the, the lenders that had success during the COVID time, they had that live connection with a servicing broker who, who was telling them, hey, you know, servicing is in that one and a half, two mult range. It's not at that zero or negative one, right? There's still economic value here. And having something that is live and reactive and has experts on the other side allows folks to make these, these strategic decisions and feel comfortable about them, right? You're never going to be 100% confident. That's just not how life works, right? But you're going to have, if you have, you know, three, four, five, six different things, it helps you sleep at night. I want to follow up on something you said there at the end very quickly. How can servicing have a negative multiple? And I guess that means that it's... it's a hindrance on cash flow. It's really hard uh, to do it when to do it in a model. To come up with a negative cash flow there, you have to have basically um, you know more probably effectively more advances than servicing income that that's coming in from a projection standpoint. Most people, when they were modeling that, 
during the COVID time, we're basically slapping a super high discount rate on the servicing strip. So historic, you know, I think on average, people maybe use an 8% or 9% for conventional, maybe 10 or 11 for Govy loans. Uh, but during that time, you were probably seeing people in the 20s or the 30s, just because uh, it was more of like a, a fear thing, more of a subjective thing, right, than an objective thing at that moment in time. Does that make sense? It does. So I want to close by asking you, what are you working on over at Black Knight? You mentioned a couple integrations and uh, some some products you offer, but uh, what's the latest? Yeah, the latest over here is, you know, we, we have a, a variety of different, you know, servicing-related technologies, whether that's, you know, the uh, MSP or our MSR valuation engine or, or things like, you know, McDash and RAP. And, and basically what we're working on now is trying to push them all together. So one of the things that we released about probably about two months ago uh, was, was some information. I even wrote a blog about it, about why you need MSR data in your updated daily as a part of your MSR valuation. You know, generally, I think folks were talking, you know, kind of used to that whole, hey, I, I look at this monthly, I look at it quarterly, and it never really moves. But over the last three years, we've been, it's been proven. This stuff moves. There's there's markets for it. It changes. It, it reacts to macroeconomic things. You know, uh, a bank run on uh, Credit Suisse, you know, might impact your MSR portfolio, right? Where I, I don't know necessarily if that was always the case. And so what we've been trying to do here is move more towards live, live, live. And so, yes, we have that connection to the, to the MSR brokers that allows people to get the live broker valuation, but we're also connecting people directly with the changing data, right? So the minute that a loan's boarded, it comes into your MSR portfolio. The minute that there's a payoff, it falls out of your MSR portfolio. Somebody becomes delinquent, that changes your valuation. It changes all of your cash flows in our model. And so just trying to give folks who are who are starting to look at this asset who maybe didn't in the past, start to give them some more reps at it, right? It'd be, it's, it's, when I think about it, if I compare it to the pipeline or the side of the house, what if, what if you didn't have fallout for a month? Like that would be ridiculous. So that, that, that same level of, of like granularity and view needs to be attributed to the MSR portfolio. So that integration that we have with MSP now to bring in live data, we have the live broker valuation, it just gives folks more and more confidence there. And, and while there may not be a lot of MSR hedgers out there, it's probably somewhere in like the 15 to 20-ish range. With this run-up in value and with originations like so low and, and margins still really tight there, a lot of lenders do need to think about that hedging decision. Uh, should they think about hedging now? They've seen that large run-up in value we talked about earlier um, with the last three years of value. And can they really take an impairment or a write-down right now? I would contend the answer is no in this given origination environment. So, you know, creating that live ecosystem of of uh, evaluating it every day, working with people to consider thinking the need to hedge the asset as well, is just things that are really uh, front of our mind right now. Well, I wish you the best of luck in continuing to refine the ecosystem, and uh, I want to thank you for making the time to talk to me today. This was great, very informative. Thanks for coming on. Hope to have you back soon. Appreciate it, Robbie. Thanks for the opportunity. The Fed's Federal Open Market Committee hiked rates by 25 basis points, or 0.25%, at its policy meeting yesterday. But the central bank stance appears to have softened a bit, as the statement noted that some additional policy firming may be appropriate. A change from the February statement that said ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate. Ultimately, the Fed's battle against inflation must go on, but the current turmoil in the banking system, which should lead to tighter credit conditions, means that the end of the current tightening cycle is likely coming into view. 
During his press conference, Fed Chairman Powell emphasized his belief that the banking system remains resilient, but said that it's too early to determine the extent of the recent events and how monetary policy should respond. Read, the Fed doesn't yet know how much credit will tighten and how much nominal spending will slow. The more credit tightens on its own, the less the Fed will need to do to bring down inflation. Treasury prices fell after he added that policymakers do not expect to cut rates this year, though bond markets still had rallied by the day's close on the overall dovishness of the statement. Today's economic calendar is underway with a Bank of England rate increase of 25 basis points. In this country, weekly jobless claims are out and came in at 191,000. Labor market still unexpectedly strong, with 1.694 million continuing claims. Later today brings Kansas City Fed manufacturing for March, Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey, and a treasury auction of $15 billion of reopened 10-year tips. We begin the day with the two-year at 3.98, agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from yesterday, and the 10-year yielding 3.48 after closing yesterday at 3.50%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. How about some more random thoughts and quips? After watching how some people wear their masks, I understand why contraception fails. <laughs> some of my friends exercise every day. Meanwhile, I'm watching a show I don't like because the remote fell on the floor. And for those of you that don't want Alexa listening in on your conversations, they're making a male version. It doesn't listen to anything. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thanks again to Black Knight Inc. Innovative technology, comprehensive data, agile analytics. As a premier provider of innovative high-performance software, data, and analytics for mortgage and home equity lending and servicing, Black Knight Inc. is transforming the mortgage industry through its best-in-class solutions. To learn more, visit blackknightinc.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.